Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Reenactors Corner Podcast. This is Chris here with Lassa. How are you doing today, Lassa? Oh, I'm doing uh, fantastic because of that we have the result of the giveaway. I'm really excited to announce the results of our first ever giveaway for the 1926 Kodak box camera, um, which I know there were a lot of people who were had their fingers crossed and were excited about winning. And uh, Lassa, I know that you have chosen a winner so um why don't you say how you did that and who the winner was well all right um it was a rather time consuming um effort but it's uh fine i guess uh what i did basically did was go in and write down all the names of people who had commented on both facebook and instagram and then i double checked every single one of them up to uh, if they had liked the post or not as that was a requirement and then I put it into a uh, random name picker on the internet, and I hit enter. <laughs> okay. Um, and all in all, there were 113 entries for the giveaway, which is quite a lot, to be honest. And um, yeah, um, do we do a drum roll? I don't. I. I don't know. I could try banging on my desk. I think it would sound terrible for the listeners. Uh, um, don't do that. Okay. Uh, well, the winner of the giveaway is Jurgen Barbic. Congratulations, Jurgen. Uh, I am going to mail you this camera. You have to get in touch with us, or we'll reach out to you to get your address, and I'll be putting it in the mail with a roll of film and instructions, so it'll be ready to go uh, when you get it. And that's basically how easy it is. I hope that you get a lot of use out of it. I hope you really enjoy it. And to everybody else who didn't win, uh, there will be more giveaways. And we're also planning a patron-exclusive giveaway as well. Yeah, uh, you know, better luck next time to the people who didn't win. And uh, certainly we'll, we'll be doing giveaways again. Also, at some point on this podcast, we'll be talking about, uh, like, photography using period film cameras and we're going to have some tips on where you could like get a camera yourself and some ideas about how to uh, clean it and stuff like that so stay tuned for that if you're interested in cameras and photography absolutely and i guess we'll just start the uh, episode then which is part two of the cold weather uh, survival uh, series well part two and last part this time it'll be more focused on uh, reenactment kit in the cold weather cool i'm excited to hear it all right guys uh <laughs> i guess uh let's get on with the episode let's hear it German 80-year-old equipment is not perfect for uh, cold weather conditions. And the German equipment wasn't really made for this type of warfare in that cold weather. Central Europe can be cold uh, in winter, uh, winter, uh, winter time, and and uh, the Germans knew that. And uh, but still, they they weren't prepared to have a whole army. Uh, camped in areas that they, 
they really didn't have access to anywhere to get inside to get warm and uh, they weren't really built for that type of um, um, activities so uh, I can I can say the first problematic uh, equipment that we have in the German uh, German reenactment and in the German army would be the boots or the footwear and one of the one of the main issues there is of course the hobnails they're made of metal um, they will they're underneath your soles the ground is usually the coldest um, place uh, when it's cold outside it's ground holds uh, actually holds cold even in summertime you can dig a hole and it will be colder underneath the ground than it will be outside so uh, so they would actually these hobnails will direct the cold directly up into your feet, <laughs> and that's a terrible idea. Uh, but the hobnails are not made for that. They didn't really think about it. It's to save the soul and stuff like that. Yeah, it's made for a totally different purpose, and that's why you see the um, the um, uh, cold the Wachtstiefel or the cold uh, yeah and the Filzstiefel yeah, yeah the Filzstiefel, and that one doesn't have hobnails. It has wooden nails underneath instead or leather or leather yeah. yeah but not metal not metal because metal is a terrible idea to put underneath your feet when it's cold because it would lead cold into your feet and actually um, would you uh, just do it a lot worse and um, and also the impracticalness of the German shoes and I'm now uh, really mainly talking about the low boots with oh uh, my god <laughs> even Gamaschen <laughs> that would be a the, many people are like oh it takes forever to put it on and it's if you're in a uh, tactical event where you're being attacked in night time and stuff like that that we do sometimes in um, in our group um it's it's a lot of people they they just keep them on to be combat ready uh, to be quicker when the alarm goes off and they can get some problems with their feet even in summertime because as uh, we just said, remove your boots uh, at least once every day. And when you sleep, it's a really good time to do that. Because then you can uh, get your foot uh, drier and uh, give it some air as well. Um, we actually have a guy in the unit yeah. who has permanent frostbite damage on his feet because he didn't remove his footwear for a cold weather event. Yeah, and that's it was an event with a with a not with us, so we didn't have any uh, control of it, but uh he he said that uh the wool socks were uh damp, but he didn't feel it because wool keeps the moisture in into itself, but it still is next to his feet. And over a weekend he uh didn't take off his shoes and he developed permanent frostbite damage. So the result is every time it's cold, his feet will freeze easier. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and let's say uh, that's the really terrible for him because you actually have constantly cold feet, more or less. Because when it's a little bit chilly outside and it usually we will be fine. It's actually okay. Then it's it's worse for you. You feel like it's uh, ten degrees colder than it really is, because you have permanent damage. Uh, 
So, um, and and also for the boots, I wrote down that like that's my recommendation when you buy boots, make sure that they're they have room for your feet and extra socks and maybe an extra sock on top of that one. Room for your toes. Yeah. Ro- I ro- hope they have room for your feet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, room for you to move around a little bit in the shoe. Uh, like you, you have to have some wiggle room. Um, uh, of course, you, you don't want to have had them too wide, but yeah, I, I think everyone understands what I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah, enough yeah. to curl your toes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the boots. And, and, and there's, of course, a lot, some things you can do to, to um, improve on this uh, flaws, I don't know we call it, on the um, design of these um, articles. And uh, there, some of them are, of course, described in the the German Field Army Manual for Winter Warfare. And one of the things you can do uh, if you have a normal uh, set of boots, if it's uh, uh, with hobnails, you can you can wrap some clothing around your boot underneath it to have some isolation between the ground and the hobnails that you have and, and your feet. Uh, and that's this is it, something you see in original photos oh, yeah. too. With, it looks like the shoes are falling apart, but they're basically trying to uh, insulate the hobnails with like rags just tied around the uh, boots. Yeah, that's a common, common sight, and you see it a lot in um, also in the the first Russian winter that the German army experienced. A lot of um, soldiers there had only their uh mantles and and they had um a lot of um clothing around their head and also feet and hands uh just whatever they can find and wrapped it around so um so that's one recommendation i have for for making the your boots better um of course you can also buy the um uh, filt uh, stiefel uh, that's made for cold conditions. Uh, the thing with that is, it's not always correct for a unit to have it, and it depends a lot on your unit. So yeah, I, that needs research. It needs research to do it, and it's only proper for certain years and places and stuff like that. But still, that could be a good option. And I know that a lot of people in my group has have done that, they bought it, and they use it, and I'm jealous. <laughs> because they <laughs> look really nice <laughs> to have. They must be nice. Yeah, but I am i don't have it. And I i survived so far, and my feet are, uh, are good. Um, okay, so moving away from the boots, uh, I don't have much more to say. Uh, do you have anything to add on no. the boots? No. Okay, so... Boots are horrible. They are. Uh, <laughs> we agree on that. Okay, so now it's the the normal uh, uniform um, and the the normal wool uniform. And now I'm talking about the wool and the, and the mantle, just the tunic and the mantle has really no stopping power when it comes to wind. It's wool, and wool is only is wool is really nice as we talked about already in so many ways. And I love wool, but it has no stopping power when it comes to windy situations. Yeah, wind goes straight through. That's why you see wind, uh, windproof yeah. jackets on top 
yeah. in vintage uh, hiking gear. Yeah, and that's still a thing. You have like a shell jacket on yeah. top, like the outer shell, and then you have some wool or something like that underneath. So, uh, so if you have like uh, have an event with just uh, with wool, just a mantle, that's the uh, that's what you have. You don't have any parkas or something like that. Um, then, if it's really windy, you don't really have any way to to deal with the wind. But we have some tips for you. So, um, of course, you can switch to a parka. That's one solution to the problem, uh, if it's as correct. But then you have to check with your group, and many times it wouldn't be correct. And if uh, usually they were they were given to whole units, so then everyone should have one. And it, um, so. So that needs some research with your group, but that's, uh, of course, a solution because the parka keeps the wind out um, more. And uh, But that said, you should, of course, uh, be a little bit picky uh, on which parka you buy because there are a lot of them that are not good. They look good, but when it comes to actually what's inside the parka, and that's not usually something that uh, a lot of reenactors think too much about, I think. Um, because what's inside the parka is actually what's determining how how warm you are. Yeah. Um, it, it could look really nice and cool, and all the buttons can be the correct ones, and they can it can be really like, oh my god, this parka is so super nice. But then it has some shitty. There's some shitty fibers inside that just shitty fibers that yeah. just don't do anything to keep you warm, and you're actually cold and miserable. In the woods, and you might even not not know why, because you have like this awesome parka, and well, so so uh, so make sure to check a little bit and which one is the warmest and what's inside. Um, there's uh, a lot of tricks you can do in the in the Wehrmacht um, uh, winter survival guide, and uh, for for making your regular army uniform. Uh, or regular Wehrmacht uniform, a lot warmer. And that would be one of the things that I can just say from top of my mind is is using newspapers uh, to isolate, just stuff them um, inside your clothing. Yeah, uh, just take a few sheets of yeah. uh, newspaper inside your jacket, in the back of your jacket, down yeah. your trouser legs, arm leg, uh, arm sleeves. Yeah, and it will be actually described, and they have pictures of it, in inside the manual, and also have pictures of a like a face whale, uh, like a mask, face mask yeah. thing, like the uh, like a uh, <laughs> as you see in bad spy movies where a guy has like two cutouts yeah. for eyes. He just cut out the newspaper eyes and just put on this mask. It looks really creepy, actually. But that would keep the wind away from your face, from directly hitting your face, and maybe damage your face and break it. Yeah. So, Another easy newspaper trick is to also stuff uh, some sheets of newspaper inside your helmet. Oh, because yeah. Because the helmet is metal and metal. it conducts cold. So just a few sheets of newspaper really, really helps a lot. I always do that, actually. That's the that's a really good point, uh, Lasse. Because that uh, putting newspapers... Uh, just put it uh, underneath your uh, helmet liner... Uh, uh, just stuff as much as you you feel comfortable with it. Try it on, and if it feels nice, the only thing you you can have to think about if you 
moving around a lot, you're gonna sweat, and the newspapers are gonna get wet, and um, so you have maybe have to to switch it out during yeah. the event, like with fresh newspaper. Um, so there's a lot of tricks you can do. Uh, you can uh, you can also uh, uh, make some uh, some stuff with hay. You can also stuff hay uh, underneath your clothing. Uh, basically, anything that can give yeah hay or isol- newspaper. Anything that can give isolation. So, but I I, I really recommend um, looking into the the winter survival uh, or the winter guide, uh, winter warfare guide. Yeah, there's a translated copy you can order. Yeah, uh, we're gonna put a link in the show notes. I think we should do that. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, okay, uh, next thing uh, that can be problematic is uh, weapons. Um, weapons can jam uh, if it's, it's too cold. Uh, the weapon oil will freeze. You will get uh, malfunctions with the weapons, and they can metal also... expands. Yeah, in cold, and you can also have um, issues with uh, rust um, uh, if you don't do the proper thing. And that, for instance, if you have a like a bunker, it's really warm in there and cozy, and you have a weapon for hours outside uh, playing warfare, and then you go <laughs> into the bunker to sleep maybe, and you bring your rifle with you. It's gonna go from the cold to the warm, and maybe back to the cold again, and back to the warm again during a weekend. It's gonna rust really easily. So it's recommended to keep weapons uh, in the same temperature that you you have them for the most of the event. Leave the weapons outside, basically. Yeah, or have like a room that's cold or something uh, outside. So have like a uh, yeah, like a weapon room uh, before you go into the market. That's quite usual, uh, and you also see it in the manual for um, for basically any bunker. Yeah, you and you also see it in the in the winter warfare manual that the German army made that they recommend to have like a room for equipment uh, immediately when you come into the bunker. Okay, so um, um, uh, for weapons that, weapon jams, I can say that I recommend switching to a weapon oil that's that made for uh, cold weather. Uh, you can uh, for sure buy something already, like a modern product that does this for you. Or you can um, or you can make your own uh, weapon oil, usually a, a thinner one that wouldn't freeze that easily. Um, and if your weapon are frozen, you can use a... a uh, this is also a trick from the uh, field manual, and that's use gasoline to... or, or some to- to- type of um, alcohol to, uh, to get the weapon unjammed. So um, that that's something I can recommend, and I uh, I haven't really had that problem in in the German reactant, but I definitely had this problem in the uh, Norwegian army when I I worked for them, and we had the winter exercises and we had uh, MGs um, jamming, and we used uh, gasoline to uh, to unjam them. Um, there's also an old trick if you are. If you have to unjam it quickly, uh, someone can can take a piss on the weapon, and that would unjam it, but make 
further problems uh, a couple of hours later, but... When everything really freezes together. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend doing that in, in the reenactment, but if if I if I were in a wartime, um, real war, of course, that would be something completely different. So, yeah. Uh, so that's a little bit about weapons. Um, uh, I will also say uh, clothing, if they're too tight, uh, when you buy clothing, uh, do not buy a tight fit uh, jackets and stuff like that. It might look really nice on you when you have like this jacket just fits you perfectly like a suit. Uh, and then you like, okay, then I'm going to winter event and I want to have a shirt under there. Of course you want to have a shirt and you want to have a sweater under there and maybe some wool underwear as well. So that's four layers of clothing totally. And then you have a, um, um, uh, a mantle maybe on top of that one and if that's too uh, close fit as well you won't have room for everything you... yeah because it's the it, uh, layers warm more than yeah like four very thin layers warm more than one, one very 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 thick layer yes so you want to have some room uh, to have some air uh, the uh, in between the layers of clothing, and if it's too tight, it it wouldn't really um, give you any warmth. So, when you buy clothing, I would really recommend to have that more loose um, clothing, or have a separate jacket that you use for winter events that's a little bit bigger, so you have room for all the clothing and newspaper or whatever you want to stuff under there to yeah. keep you warm. So. Um, yeah, the next thing, um, moving around and fighting and stuff like in winter event and you, you aren't in a tactical event, you might want to move on patrols or uh, you might attack and then uh, move around, run, stuff like that. And if you have a lot of clothing on you, uh, as you might want to do to keep warm, you're going to get super duper warm when you start running around because your body is making more heat, you're going to get sweaty, and in the end, when you are uh, more inactive again, you're going to start to freeze because you're, you're sweaty. And sweat is a way to cool you down, but when you stop moving, it's going to be counteractive for you. It's going to move against yeah, you. Yeah, and then the sweat is going to freeze to ice. Yeah. So it's so. a bad idea. And that's a good thing with layers, is that you can if you're going to move around, you can remove a couple of layers. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, simple. So it's really, uh, really nice tip to have. Just when you do a patrol or move around, remove some of your clothing. Just have, you might be freezing just then when you remove it. You're like, okay, this is a bad idea. But when you start to move, you're going to feel that's it's not a problem because you're moving and using your body and it I also, think both yeah. of you and I have had wool underwear a shirt a sweater a tunic a great coat and a parka yeah and then we walk and we walk maybe 10 meters and we are sweaty and tired and miserable yeah yeah <laughs> I I am for sure have done that and uh, regretted it of course and um but uh 
Well, <laughs> do what I say, don't do what I do. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, but I still strongly recommend to to remove some of the clothing. You're also gonna get more flexible and maybe move uh, easily around as well. Um, then you will do as the Michelin man, uh, which is <laughs> what you're gonna look like when you wear all this uh, clothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also strongly recommend you have have a place because it, it's gonna take a lot of time to dry your clothing. Uh, when it's snowy and wet and stuff like that, and it's really cold, you don't really have a way to to dry your clothing, and that can be a problem. Um, so um, it will also make you freeze more. And and uh, of course, a good solution to that is have have a, some way to dry your clothing, and. And well, I'm I'm getting back to the German field manual here, and they it, they always recommend to have like a somewhere heated, if it's a, in worst cases a tent with an oven or a earth bunker or a wooden bunker if that's possible, or all Anything. these different type of shelters that they have, even like a mix between a tent and a, and a wooden bunker. There's all there's so many pictures of different suggestions on how to do it. And I, I think all of them would be cool to do, and they they look super cool, and and they actually look really functional as well. So if you have somewhere like this where you can heat yourself, where you can actually get some body warmth back, and also dry your clothing, and then get back out into the cold. So if you have like a, a listening position, or you have like an observation post, or actually a defensive line, that would of course be manned by someone uh, that are. They're cold and miserable while they're on watch, but they have some somewhere uh, more nice and cozy, maybe behind the lines. And that would be the German suggested way to do it, to have like in uh, bunker, heated bunker. And this is even for uh, short, temporary, yeah, positions too, just for a day. Yeah, they would they will build a easy shelter and have an oven that they bring with them a small easy oven with a pipe and then uh, and then use that one set it up and then maybe have a forward position uh, to to defend the, the line yeah yeah so um, if you don't have that I think it's gonna be really hard to but even a even a tent will suffice yeah a tent uh, if you have a tent and you and you have an uh, have an oven uh, for the tent um, with a pipe, and you have some isolation around so it doesn't catch fire. That will work out fine. It will. It will not be like a, a four star hotel, but it's gonna be uh, a lot better than just being outside in the cold. And also, if you have a um, a way of drying clothing is over open fire. Uh, if you have like an open fire, but I think. I wouldn't recommend that just out of the, the just that it's um, a little bit far bit to do. An open fire would be an that would be so, a big no no. Yeah, if, especially if if you're close to the front. If if it's if you're somewhere not in a uh, what uh, I'm going to say it's like a uh, military operation uh, or or you're close to the front in any way, then it's, it's of course okay. But uh, I think a lot of people are going to react more closely to the front. And I'm not talking about direct combat here. I'm talking about just 
people behind the front because it's going to be artillery observers, going to be planes and stuff like looking for for fires. And even the F German field kitchens, they would have certain times of day where they will heat up and use, because they, they would, of course, smoke a lot when they use the ovens to bake bread and stuff like that. They would do it in the, in the morning hours because then it's harder to spot the smoke. So they were really careful about this. So, that's so an open I'm, fire is basically death by artillery. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it just be, because of that. I would then do a tent. A thing you can do, and we done this, Lasse, is uh, use coal, um, shark coal, and you can, um, and this actually creates a lot of heat, but it doesn't create any fire or light in the same way. It just glows and. And it glows very dimly, so you don't lose your yeah. uh, night vision either. It's so strange because when we we saw this in the winter manual, and we're like, okay, we have to do this, try this, and we did. And I was so surprised. I was like, charcoal? What? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't create light in that way. I never thought of that. It's like uh, I was so amazed. <laughs> it is it is literally a lifesaver because when you're sitting in a trench. Uh, a trench is basically a that's where the very cold temperature is because cold air goes down yeah and the trench will be the coldest place on earth and that is where you place your feet yeah so having charcoal uh, preferably in a tin can or something with holes poked through it will just remove the cold from the trench and yeah. it won't uh it, like you won't light up for the enemy yeah, and this is something that is written in the manual. Yeah, and and something you can also do, if it's possible, and that would be super solely to do it because it's it's um it's gonna be. Uh, I don't think many people have done it. I don't know if any reenactors have tried it, but you can heat up rocks, and they would. This is also in the uh, in the manual. You will have like these large rocks. You put it into the fire or or on charcoal. And you heat it up, and then you wrap it into something so you don't burn yourself, and then you send it forward to the guys sitting in the line, so they can use it to heat themselves. Yeah, so they have like a warm rock that would keep keep the heat for some time. Um, it's and a, it sounds strange, but it works. It works nice. I would like to have a, like a huge warm rock sent to me when I'm sitting <laughs> there and freezing exactly. on a on a listing post or. Uh, on sentry duty, and just like, oh, my warm rock, I can touch you, and you're warm, and I'm, I'm, yeah, oh, that's feel. I want a warm rock right now. Actually, it's a little bit cold here in the truck. It is. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then uh, yeah, we all you already um said it last, but I'm talking about the helmet here. I wrote down the helmet, and and yeah, anything made of metal is gonna uh, direct cold. So, uh, but we already covered that with a newspaper trick inside a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a group, as as a group, or uh, like a, a co-commander for the group, I want to have some group recommendations for people that are group leaders or organizers. And that's when you're doing a winter event. Make sure that you have somewhere, and we said this already as well. But have somewhere. Um, where you can you can heat up, 
or have like a shelter or somewhere you where um, the people are that are attending that they actually can to go and actually uh, be able to warm themselves. Then they're gonna get. It's gonna be a better event for everyone. People are. They can go out in the cold, and you can when you're active, you can you can sustain really cold weather. But as soon as you gonna sleep or be inactive, you're gonna uh, get really cold, and you have gonna have a bad experience. And also, people are gonna be more inactive in the event, and they're gonna uh, try to just keep warm and not think a lot about yeah, the other stuff. It takes just 20 minutes and you don't get a lot of sleep in 20 minutes. Yeah. And people just, maybe they start to stop reenacting in a way. They're like, okay, I'm super cold. My first priority is getting warm. I don't care about guard duty and all the other stuff. Yeah, that people is People just fall apart. So And people will begin to be inactive because when... When it's cold, you burn more calories. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. You you burn almost twice as much uh, when it's over ten minus uh, Celsius. You would you would um, uh, use a lot of uh, a lot more uh, energy just to keep warm. Your body would body is basically like an oven, as I said, and it's gonna uh, throw every everything it needs to do into that oven to keep warm and that would be also to take the body fat from your body and just throw it in there and using all the energy from the food you ate and everything to just keep warm so um so it would be also uh, important to eat a little bit more and that's a thing organizers need to think about as well if they want to have rations maybe they should give a little bit more when, or a little bit more when it's, it's uh, cold outside but that was, of course, would be up to every organization. We'd maybe be super solely to get almost no food at all and be starving. And then you're going to be even <laughs> more cold. It but, can be dangerous. Yeah, I, of course, for uh, people in 2020, we we have a little bit more body fat maybe than, than an average German soldier. And, um, and, of course, if you do this just for a weekend, you can... I think you can... Uh, more easily survive than and doing this for maybe six months uh, with not proper rations and then yeah yeah uh, because it's not unheard of to burn ten thousand calories a day in cold weather when you're active yeah in a reenactment situation yeah you're moving around around a lot that makes you burn more uh, I would say for an average uh, male. Um, uh, an average weight male would burn uh, around 2,500 calories just for sitting on their ass in their couch. So 10,000 is a lot more than that. And if if you eat the same amount of food, of course, you're going to lose weight and energy as well. So it's a, it's a thing to think about, at least for, for people that organize. And another thing is, is uh, for organizers to have, to actually tell the, group leaders and stuff like attending uh, events to check on their men uh, to take the group leader responsibility. And it could be a really nice thing to do for an event. Um, it's historical as well. The group leaders are supposed to, or the squad leaders and group leaders are supposed to take care of their men in their squad and make sure that they are 
uh, combat ready, that they're combat effective and they are healthy. And, um, and Three that would, guys with frostbite isn't combat effective. No. So that would be counterproductive for the... So the German army wouldn't be happy if uh, if the, if a group of hero <laughs> didn't take his responsibility and have a, a group of people with uh, yeah because frostbite. it escalates it escalates a, a uh, not combat effective squad is a not combat effective platoon which is a which is an ineffective company which is a yeah yeah battalion that doesn't work it's, a, it as spreads. it spreads spreads so so yeah. Um uh yeah and also I would recommend to have a backup plan in case of bad weather. If if it's if the weather just turns really bad for you, you get super cold or super windy and stuff like that. Um I would recommend to have like a a, a backup plan and also it's no shame in in canceling the event or postponing it or uh, changing it in a way, uh, maybe. Uh, Don't be ashamed to turn around because cold yeah. is very dangerous. I know it's uh, it's uh, super sad to just okay we were looking forward to this winter event, but now it's so cold and people are it's getting dangerous. Then it's better to okay maybe if if you can change it, maybe not cancel it, but. Maybe we can sleep inside somewhere close by and then maybe be outside in daytime or something like that. I think that would be better to do and think about, uh, think back on an event that someone lost their foot or something because they got uh, <laughs> they yeah. got serious frost damage and, uh, and had to amputate. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's about it. I have some last words, of course, but I know, uh, Lasse, do you have anything to add to the... Not right now. No? I think we've addressed the seriousness of cold weather. Yeah, I think so as well. And um, Don't underestimate it. No, and I, this it's, it's from experience as well. We, we've seen that it can go... It can go bad, and I also know this uh, from the Norwegian army, and that's most of my experience of cold weather going bad is, is coming from there. And that that's a, they take it really serious. And I have I have actually a story about a guy who went to the um, uh, a toilet in. Winter I was hoping experience. you were gonna <laughs> tell that story. And he was um, it was super cold outside. It was. Uh, uh, close to 30 minus uh, Celsius and a little bit windy as well and he was super tired and uh, super cold as well uh, we had really good tents uh, they're four star hotels compared to anything uh, the German army uh, had <laughs> during World War II uh, but anyway the, the, our tents had ovens in them and they were sort of warm inside it was a little bit um, colder than usual and um, and this guy falls asleep on on this uh, we have like a portable toilet which basically you shit in a bag uh, that you have to carry with you or dig it down uh, somewhere and you have uh, have this small toilet and he fell asleep on this because it was so cold and so tired and for some reason he he managed to fall asleep. And it, he didn't sleep long. 
He slept maybe 15-20 minutes, and that was long enough for his balls to freeze. And that's not good. And he got frost damage, and it was so serious that he had to amputate. And yeah, so... Um, uh, and then, of course, I have uh, like a billion stories about people lost losing toes. That's quite common. Yeah, but fingers and stuff like that. But it's that's why I mean, I'm just saying amputating it, the family jewels because you. Slept I, I don't for think you minutes. can. You can't top that, really. You can't. But anyway, I think it's. Imp- I my point is is like, this happens in a, in a modern army that are maybe one of the best in winter condition warfare in the world. And they're real, people come from all over NATO to to uh, train on winter condition in Norway, and it still happens to members in the Norwegian army. They get frost damage, they have to amputate stuff, and it's not good. Toes, balls, axe. Yeah, so, you don't, so really, <laughs> you don't need 80-year-old uh, condi- uh, equipment um, it's gonna make things a lot worse, I think. Yeah. So, and regarding yeah. toilets, uh, yeah. it is also important to uh, actually undress and take the dump you're carrying because the body. Oh yeah. Yeah, the body yeah. spends a lot of calories and energy to keep your shit warm. I almost forgot that one last. That's a good catch. It's uh. Uh, it's it's not really tempting to go outside and have a shit when it's really cold. I know this, and you have to remove a lot of clothing, especially uh, with a parka. Yeah, and we had one. Um, <laughs> we had one uh, winter exercise where in the Norwegian army they have this. Um, you have this winter camouflage that you put on top of the clothing. It's really it's just a thin. Um, piece of white clothing where you put over the green camouflage uniform that you have underneath. Yeah, and then you put some warmer layers underneath that one again. But anyway, so we had a guy. He he went to have a have a shit in the woods, and it wasn't really that cold, but we had to have it because it was um, uh, it was uh, winter and it was snowy and white outside. So white would be the proper camouflage color. So this guy, he, he had a shit. And we really didn't think about it because a lot of people do that and it was normal to do it. And when you're outside for over a week, that's normal. Yeah. And and then we got like, I would say back to camp. We went to this um, like uh, shelter that we were supposed to remove some equipment or we had time to do that. So we, it was a little bit warm. Remove that equipment to change socks and stuff like that and, and get a little bit warm and wait for the transportation uh, back to the base. Uh, we're, this was in the end of the exercise. And and then this guy, he, he started to move, move some clothing and then this, this uh, brown <laughs> banana thing just uh, <laughs> fell out of his... Um, his uh, uniform pants and hit hit the floor and it was like if it was a frozen turd. It was a his frozen uh, shit basically. And so this was he he this had been logged between his 
pants and his uh, white camouflage suit and next to his leg or boots yeah. and <laughs> so <it's, laughs> and we started of course we we had to investigate this a little bit it was of course hilarious and we had <laughs> really a hard time keeping serious about this but of course we we were curious of how many days had this half frozen turd <laughs> been been kept there yeah and it was it was like four days i think <laughs> the turd was logged between so but um but he said that he w- it was what we call a ghost poop it was like okay. um, he didn't have to use any toilet paper it just uh was like magical just perfect fiber and uh, yeah everything like that but uh, still it was uh he was traveling with him uh, in this exercise for almost four days before he... That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, with that, I don't think I have anything more to add. I might might be joining you for another episode about something totally different for another time. But I hope so. You're, you're an experienced guy. Yeah, well, I try my best, and I always have... An, there's always new things to learn, and I think that's one of the things that make this hobby so interesting. And um, there's so many guys to learn from, so many people, and uh, and I would I would strongly uh, again strongly recommend when we're talking about winter warfare to get the winter warfare guide and. Have a look at that. Yeah, check the show notes and order your copy now. Do that. This is not a sponsored message. <laughs> <laughs> we should get like ten percent or something. No, uh, I agree. It it's uh, it's in a <laughs> it's translated to English. It's really easy to understand. And, yeah, uh, it's a physical book you order, and it's it's basically a reproduction, but instead yeah. of being in German, it's in English, so I you can understand it. I think it's like two or three hundred pages, but it's quite a small book. It's uh, also has lots of random stuff on how to build shelters for horses oh, and yeah. vehicles. But there's there's so much other good stuff in it. It's like uh, oh, you have a tank and you can't start it because it's forty minus outside. Okay, you can build <laughs> like a fire underneath the tank to try to start it and stuff like that. Everyday problems. Yeah, yeah. Or like okay, you're really hungry. You should shoot the fattest artillery horse and cook that one and use the fat as... Uh, there's so many crazy <laughs> stuff in that book. and uh, But it's um, still a good book, I think. Yeah. Oh, well then. Um, okay. As we say in the podcast, I'll see you in the field. Yeah. You need to say it too. I will see you in the field. Thank you. <laughs>